Hey everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to the Alpha Theta Flow podcast. This is Flow 693 and uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about the brain and the mind. The brain and the mind, which are two different things, although related, of course. Um, And as far as we know, the mind can't exist without the brain. Um, And uh, we're not sure around the other way around. Can the brain exist without the mind? Um, Interesting question, isn't it? So, look, the reason why this is important is because it's a key difference between what's subjective and what's objective. If we we often think of the mind as the brain, but what we're actually doing is looking at it, not looking in it. Uh, Ken Wilber's fantastic at talking about this. There's a lot of other, um, I guess, uh, like thought leaders, if you want to use that term, who 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 are integral thinkers um, that can really pull this apart quite well to see how everything is both separated yet integrated at the same time. And that's where he, you know, you look at quotes such as there's no gaps in the great chain of being so the mind and the brain are are, are much the same but they are different the reason why this is important is because when we struggle with something that is actually quite subjective we cannot fix that just off objective measures now let's use some examples of subjectivity and objectivity Um, keep in mind that something is not solely one or the other so when I'm using these terms, I'm using them quite loosely because let's say anxiety, anxiety does have these thought structures to it. Each person will have some particular thought structures that go with their type of anxiousness or anxiety. Now, they will also have a corresponding chemical release within the body. There'll also be behaviors that are, that are, that are also connected to that. They're things that we can ob- empirically and objectively see and measure. But that's not the same as somebody else's anxious experience and how they go on to label it. It's the same for happiness. It's the same for the word short. What do people mean by short? There are so many variations of this. And so what's really, really interesting is that when we understand that the mind and the brain are two different things, because as I'm talking, you hold a picture in your mind, or maybe you think in words. I'm not sure how you think. Maybe you're not even sure how you think. Do you think in words? Do you think in pictures? Are they colorful? Is it more analog thinking? Is it more digital? Where are the actual images in your mind? If you were to close your eyes, are they in front of you? Are they up sort of high above you? Are they all around you? Is it 3D? Everybody has slightly ver- slight variations in, in all of this. But if I cut open someone's brain, I don't see the TV screen that they see the pictures in their mind on. I don't see that. We can't actually see that, but it existed for them. This is looking at <clears throat> excuse me, the subjective components that that person actually experienced. And this is where when NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is taught well and it's educated well, it is actually used as a tool to understand or better understand as close as we can understand the subjective experience of a particular individual the first individual to understand that is is ourselves so that's what those models are there for really powerful right the key thing though is that when um we are attempting to go anxiety is simply a chemical imbalance and here's these drugs and that's the interesting thing is that it's not just about saying the drugs are good or bad if they're required at any given time because what we can do is take really an integrated approach to any challenge difficulty or thing we want to change but we must hold multiple perspectives and we can see this in, in, in communication in so many different ways, especially when somebody might go, just, just mate, you got to put your emotions aside and just get on with it. And so what is that actually teaching someone? Is it actually beneficial for the, for the um, 
purpose of what's intended at that point in time or is it going to be damaging later on because a person always learns to push emotions aside bottle those emotions up never learn how to label them never learn how to work through them never learn how to sit with them and they understand that this is good and bad and all emotions are bad so i'm not going to show emotions because that's apparently stoic and now i'm just going to at a very later age and a very later stage not know how to handle my emotions when i go through a difficulty and just finish it there it's a little bit daunting it's a little bit bleak but it's actually a serious thing to consider when we try to objectively attempt to explain subjective experience, and I've, I've seen this in multiple different facets. I saw it on a video recently with somebody that I highly respect where um, another person who I don't actually follow as much, I'm just leave the names out. If you're interested, let me know, but it makes it quicker, was talking about these, these weight loss pills and saying how bad they are and pointing out not necessarily how bad they are, pointing out different things to consider around dependence and so forth. The person that was kind of doing a video on that that person's an idiot and they're wrong was heavily objective. They, What I mean by that is that there's no consideration of this person may be overeating for reasons that are related to um, a self-esteem issue because their parents were like, no one's ever going to love you. And so uh, even though a drug, which is objective, can help get a person through a particular stage of feeling satiated, the thing is, is if that's a core structure for the individual, when we say a core structure, what I mean by that is it's a core belief structure that they're never going to be good enough and nothing ever works in the end, then something's, it's, it's when we're missing a component of the ingredients, right? We might see a change and it might be beneficial, but the difficulty is, is that we're not seeing all of it. And so people that, that reduce subjective um, components of life, so thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, or culture, community support, they're small examples of what can be subjective, to simple, just objective measures, right, or objectivity, it's called reductionism. We're reducing the whole experience of reality to simple, objective things that are only empirically measured, as if that's all that matters. Yet, this person's going to listen to art, this person's going to listen to music, this person's going to watch a movie, no, <laughs> all of that first existed in someone's mind that came from a world that objective objectivity can't explain. And it shouldn't. It doesn't need to. It's, that's not the point, right? It's not about saying one or the other. It's actually saying both. And when we can do that, we can take an integral approach. And I'm reading polyvagal theory at the moment. And this was my experience with a lot of strong fit stuff is how much they brought stuff to this objective measure. I love Strong Fit. They do so much good, and I think it's really important to listen to what they have to contribute. They've got so much good content on YouTube. You can you can um, uh, watch, and then um, you got to play with it. You got to you got to integrate it into what you're doing, and you got to keep going with it. You got to figure it out and play with it. However, my experience a lot of the time they bring things to objectivity, and that's what it is. It's just objective. Um, one of the challenges of that is that there's these there's these meaning structures, there's this this whole subjective reality that that we we simply lose if we completely reduce things down to this objective measure. Um, and so the subjective experience of any situation is actually quite unique, and it's not objective. People go, well, that's just the truth. It's like, well, it may be a truth. And you know, when we look at this, we then know that. We cannot fix subjective issues with objective approaches. That addressing subjective issues with objective approaches can improve those issues, 
but we must take an integral approach. And when I talk about an integral approach, I'm talking taking on multiple perspectives, looking at multiple areas and seeing where our own personal blind spots and biases are and seeing where the person who's in front of us may hold a blind spot or a bias because chances are their inability to to see a particular perspective, be it theirs, someone else's, to take look at it objectively and, and look at the systems involved with it, any one of those four, then the person loses the ability to have an integrated approach to fixing any given issue, right? It's worth replaying what I said just then again because what it's really pointing at is our own personal ability to not reduce these thoughts and these feelings and these emotions and so forth to something that's just objective such as well that person makes me feel like that or um my arm just does this it's in the gym i hear like oh my arm just does this thing it's like it just does this thing what's your involvement i'm curious to know what what is your involvement because if you keep on blaming the arm as if it's completely separate to you but i don't hear that about the rest of your body what's going on there does does it literally have a mind of its own and if it does where's that mind because my guess is that mind is somewhere within you right and so this is the interesting thing when we start to get clearer with looking at people's language looking how they label particular things seeing where their emphasis within their sensor structures are all of this can place so much attention and 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 emphasis on intention and we stop looking at people as simply just objects of information but then also as subjects of interpretation subjects in communication and that's powerful that's where change happens for ourselves and for everyone else and on that note team i'm done thank you very much for tuning in if you found this podcast beneficial it would mean the world to me if you would pass it on to someone else who you think would also find it beneficial if you haven't already you can grab a copy of my book mining yourself anywhere online that sells books or at alphathetaflow.com if you want one personally signed by me uh, if you're an athlete a coach or you're a high performer and you're wanting to find out how to find your flow uh, and what that actually means then check out alphathetaflow.com and get in touch i'd love to chat with you that's it from me peace <laughs> you guys know the deal big love peace and pizza i'll see you all soon